3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a market market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America! Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just entertaining to educate and teach you. So call me 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now, if you've seen The Princess Prime, you know the two classic blunders. Never get involved in a land war in Asia. And never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Well, today we need to add a third one. Never underestimate the power of a trade deal with China. The stock market caught fire today. The Dow surging 444 points. S&P vaulting 1.09%. NASDAQ gaining 0.61%. All because we heard some positive chatter about President Trump's trade talks with China. If we get a deal, economies around the world can start growing in. Without it, the weakness in China will gradually be exported to the rest of the globe, especially Europe. It's our largest trading partner, $17.7 trillion in on the line there. I know there's a lot of cynicism right now. Can a trade deal really reverse the trajectory of slowing of earnings? Something that's now taken as a given by most economists who opine on these issues? You bet it can. If we get a deal, even a bad deal at this point, I think the stocks of many international companies, or companies, in other words, that are based here that sell internationally, can rally because at this point, their earnings estimates are too low. A trade deal translates into higher earnings, and higher earnings almost always lead to higher stock prices. Today was bizarre, though, because it, it, the rally wasn't isolated to the stocks with tons of Chinese exposure. Many of the techs and the retailers soared higher. Many, but not all. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Alphabet, FANG! All went lower in part because they don't have any China exposure. There's no real reason for them to rally on a possible trade deal. So you know what's happening? Money managers keep using them as a source of funds to buy other stocks. Now, I've been adamant that we're not going to get an instant-shaking big deal with China. There's still a lot of negotiation ahead, but if you were worried that a deal was impossible, if you believe the tariffs would definitely go from 10 to 25% next month, today's news was really reassuring, hence the gigantic 444-point da- down game. Plus, the domestic stock's got a boost now that we know a second government shutdown has been gloriously taken off the table. With that in mind, what's in the game plan for next week? Well, Monday's President's Day. I love that. Uh, but when the market opens again on Tuesday morning, we'll hear from Walmart and Medtronic. I expect Walmart to beat the numbers and tell us about its plans to bust Amazon by delivering food right to your fridge. The fact that I can say that with a straight face tells you... <laughs> How much better Walmart's digital team has gotten over the past couple of years. Hey, you know what? I want to hear about Flipkart. Did they pay too much for that Indian thing after they changed the laws? Someone better ask them. As for Medtronic, the last time we heard from the medical device maker, it shaded down its earnings forecast and the stock got crushed. Remember, we were out in J.P. Morgan, San Francisco, the healthcare conference? Now, I urge you to buy it in that week. I pounded the table. Now, Medtronic's up nearly 10 points, pretty much in a straight line. If management sounds too cautious this time, Uh, And the stock pulls back. You know what you got to do? You got to buy it again. MDT. Wednesday, we have one of the most important earnings calls of the quarter, CVS Health. See that stock today? See how it was moving up? Let me set the stage. CVS has quietly transformed itself from a brick and mortar drugstore chain that could be crushed by the likes of Amazon at any moment to a diversified healthcare company that doesn't need to worry about direct competition because it now owns Aetna, the gigantic health insurance provider. There's just one problem. A lot of investors are worried that CVS might cut its forecast because of merger integration issues. I think many people are waiting for this quarter to be out of the way, okay? Get that lower rating, get those lower numbers before they buy the stock. So even if CVS does shade down its guidance, the stock might jump as long as they don't take their full-year earnings estimates but below $7. That's a magic number. And if they don't cut their numbers, well, holy cow, this thing is going to 75 in a straight line. Wow. Uh, that's one reason we own CVS for my charitable trust, but you can follow along with our moves by joining the actionalertsplus.com club. I gave a conference call yes, uh, on Wednesday, and I really pounded the table on this because I feel so confident about CVS. Uh, I recommend buying some both for the quarter and some after. Next week, uh, next uh, up, we hear from Bausch Health. Now, you've got to be familiar with this. from We've had him on the show many times. And you've got to be impressed by everything CEO Joe Papa has done to revitalize the drug company formerly known as Valiant. When it reports, I bet we'll see even more progress. Some people are still put off by the enormous amount of debt on Bausch's uh, balance sheet. But there's no short term pressure on this. No money comes due instantly. And I think the focus will be on new drugs. With the stock trading at less than seven times this year's earnings estimates, again, kept down by that debt load, it's too cheap to ignore. I like Bausch Health. We've seen a major divergence in the semiconductor space If you can prove you got nothing to do with cell phones, your stock may be a winner. Otherwise, not so much. Analog Devices, ADI, has been one of those winners. This company's all about the Internet of Things, IoT, and I believe they'll put up a good quarter. Here's an oddity. Earlier this week, Goldman Sachs, which has disliked the car rental stocks for a while, correctly, by the way, suddenly went optimistic on Avis, stayed negative on Hertz. I regard this as a gutsy call. So I am willing... They wouldn't go out on limb like this unless it's okay. I'm willing to endorse Avis for speculation for reports on Wednesday. Right after the close. Last night not explain why uh, there's very little safety in the safety stocks. But we're going to put that thesis to the test when we hear from Hormel Foods, HRL. The parent of everything from Spam and Dinty Moore to natural organic brands like Organic, uh, like uh, Applegate Farms. We got that in our refrigerator. Justin's, we got that in our pan- uh, pantry. Holy guacamole. <laughs> we make our own guacamole. Oh, just a second. Stock's been awful. Have you been watching it lately? Just can't get out of its own way. There you go. Anyway, uh, I think these latter brands are the reason why Hormel stock has left its packaged food companies, uh, the other compadres in its sector, right in the dust. Thursday morning, we get results from one that you know we like. We did a nice shoot from it. Norwegian, that's what they call it. Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. CEO Frank Del Rio runs a tight ship. When the cruise stocks have been sagging, Norwegian's held up a lot better than Carnival or Royal Caribbean. This one could be the standout that potentially reignites the whole group, which is dirt cheap. All this week, the travel and leisure stocks have stood out. So I'll be watching Norwegian like a hawk. Can Wendy's keep its momentum going in a time of rising labor costs? So far, the answer has been yes, not just because my wife, Lisa, loves that double cheeseburger. I, I don't expect the Dave's burger. You know, she gets the double Dave with the bacon. Who can eat that much? Anyway, a few weeks ago, restaurant brands, the parent of Burger King, put up an excellent She doesn't watch the show. I'm not going to take any heat. Put up an excellent quarter. I think Wendy's will do the same. Everyone's always worried about that. It's so funny. She doesn't, I think she doesn't know I'm on a morning show. It's only been seven years. We also hear from Domino's. And while the stock's up 13.6% for the year, I'm still down, uh, it's still down more than $20 from its high, for heaven's sake. Interesting. Now, we recently had CEO Rich Allison on the show. I thought he told a good story. This has been a fabulous long-term winner and I bet it will continue to deliver. It's a business joke. And to the close, Intuit reports, and this is one of the best tech companies out there. I call it a tech company because Intuit use, use its technology, namely TurboTax, to beat the heck out of H&R Block. It's a wild trader. I expect a good number. I pushed it really hard after that last quarter when it went down. But I also want to point out that the best time to buy the stock is when it does go down after a good number because there are a lot of stupid people in the stock. Uh, Friday, we... A lot of people are ill-advised. Finally, we hear from AutoNation, which sells used cars and is beginning to see its stock finally start to pick up life. I've been a storage supporter of the related AutoZone, Azo. what a buyback, I told you. The auto parts chain, which is an incredible stock. When it gets better with time as people go for longer periods without replacing their cars. Finally, there's the incredibly controversial Wayfair, the online furniture retailer. The stock's up more than 35% for the year, and while I think it'll have a good quarter, I am concerned, given how much it's run Monster short position. The bottom line, the market loves anything that suggests we might get a trade deal. So many people want to sell the news. I got to tell you, I say no. I say stay the course. Janak in Texas. Janak.
0: Hello, Jim. Happy Friday from Austin, Texas.
3: Oh, I love Austin. Who's just moving to Austin that I just talked to? One of my buddies.
0: Go ahead. What's up? Hey, uh, I needed your short, long, and medium-term opinion on the stock I got last week after ER that turned a profit after a couple of years. Um, it's a one-trick pony stock, and uh, with help uh, from their second trick now, they have a app that syncs uh, subscriber content online. So my pick is GoPro. G-P-R-O. What uh, you, do
2: you know think, what? Jim? I
3: call GoPro. I happened to go to Hawaii for the day. I know. It doesn't usually happen. And uh, I saw a, a, a goat on a surf, surfboard with a GoPro. And I said, I think that's about as far as it's going to go. And I've never looked back. I've not liked it since it was 90. So I'm going to tell you right now, I, you know, someone else is going to have to recommend it. I'm not going there. Let's go to Matthew in Oklahoma. Matthew. What's up, Kramer? Hey, not much. You know? I'm looking forward to the weekend. Maybe have a, yeah, maybe a cocktail. How about you? I don't know, really. <laughs> well, okay. Well, me, you know, why don't you mull here. it over? I would mull it over. I'd make plans. You don't want it to be Monday without having done anything. That's true. That's true. Right. Well, I got horse sense. All right.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. Do you think that Brands is a good long-term investment, considering how strong Bath & Body Works is? Or is it a bad investment because of how poorly Victoria's Secret is doing? I'm going to go with the the latter. I'm going to go with the
3: latter. I just, you know what? I like growth, okay? I don't want yield. I like growth. I would rather see you in Ralph Lauren, RL, making a major comeback, and I think that's terrific. That's what we're going to do, okay? Look, I know cynicism is running deep, okay? Um, But the truth is, a trade deal would be used for the markets. And I would not sell on the news. I'd actually buy more. So I say stay the course. On oh, Man money today, Johnson Johnson just threw down the gauntlet on intuitive surgical ISRG. with news that it's acquiring a robotics company for three billion dollars. I'm sitting down with the healthcare giant Alex Gorsky find out what's ahead. Then, with competition uh, heating up in the online food ordering space, I'm that I'm what you should do with the company that is the top dog right now. And you know what? There's serious cash being spent in the animal kingdom. So awareness is backing off the trend. The stock is headed higher, and I've been behind it now for literally 70 points. I got to you know, stay with Kramer.
4: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call
3: All right, here we go. The last time we spoke to Johnson Johnson CEO Alex Gorsky in December, his gigantic healthcare conglomerate was on the defensive. The company had just been accused of selling baby powder that contained asbestos, known carcinogen, and then covering it up for decades. Something my research said was just simply not the case. Stock, however, did plunge from one forty seven to one thirty three in a single day. Kept falling until the whole market bottomed in April. At the time, I told you the self was overblown. Even if the allegations were true, JNJ had already lost forty billion dollars in market cap, and that's just not right. Even the lawyers suing them over this said that. Now, lately, the stock has finally started to get its groove back, as it should be, up more than 5% since our last interview with, with Mr. Korski, and up almost 13% from the Christmas Eve lows. Now, g js had a series of terrific, major announcements this year. Partnering with Apple, to use the new watch in a cardiovascular health study. Their nasal spray for depression is bravado, used to be esketamine. We'll talk about that. It just got a thumbs up from the FDA Advisory Committee, meaning it's likely to be approved, and probably quickly. And two days ago, we learned about the company acquiring Auris Health. It's a surgical robotics company. I've had it used on me. It's good for $3.4 billion. There's a lot to like here, so let's check in with Alex Gorsky, the chairman and CEO of Johnson Johnson. Get a better read on where his company said, Mr. Gorsky, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Alex. Hey, Jim. It's great to be here. Right. Thank Alex, you. Alex, Alex, I've not seen J&J on a roll like this in a long time, and I know you've been around for a long time, and you know, I've been a big supporter from the day you started, well, for years, A.J., but there's a series of things, whether it be the Academy now the new drug, right. whether it be the, the, the device, or, I, I tell you, the
1: watch. You're the one that's, you're talking about millions of people that could be helped from this stuff. Just kind of give us the panoply here. Sure. Well, Jim, it couldn't be a more exciting time at Johnson & Johnson. You know, over the past few weeks, first of all, we ended 2018 with great results, right. solid performance across our core business, mid-single digits, double digit on the bottom line. But even more importantly since then, we've announced a number of really important agreements that are gonna end up impacting patients, consumers, and frankly our patients for the next several decades. Now, you announced a few of them. Yep. You know, let's start with the, one, the, the good news that we just got with the FDA this past week. As you know, there's more than five million people in this country who are suffering from severe treatment-resistant depression. And unfortunately, as a result of that, almost forty thousand suicides are committed every year in this country and there hasn't been anything new in almost thirty years and to finally get a new compound that offers hope for these patients that goes to work in a in reasonably short period of time and also has good durability and offers them real hope and that's going to be a sketamine, we could not be more proud don't no, be used at a point of ideation or would you go to a doctor's office well Of course, you'll need to see the physician first. Right. But then, once they are prescribed the product, they can be treated then by a healthcare. Practitioner. Okay. And immediately you'll get a few doses, but then after that they'll be treated literally on like a weekly basis, bi weekly basis thereafter. Will teenagers be able to use it? Because it's the leading cause of death for teenagers. Well, we're studying it across a range of patient populations as we speak. I
3: don't know if people realize how important this is.
1: It's a very, it's a, you know, clearly a huge unmet medical need. Truth? All of us probably know veterans, we know family, yeah. we know friends who have been afflicted by this. And so to be able to bring something out. We are just, you know, so excited about it. Well, you
3: should be. I'm, I'm proud that you're doing it because we, my daughter's a counselor in this area, and there hasn't been anything new, just like you said, and they're just desperate. They and are. And we've got to stop the suicides of these younger people. We absolutely do. Okay, so tell me about the watch. I've been a big believer that someone is going to take this watch and really develop something that is re- so useful, and it looks
1: like you're doing it. Well, Jim, one of the most exciting parts of my job right now is to see the technology that's usually equated with California and the West Coast and whether it's AI, machine right. learning and, you know, robotics, and you're seeing it more and more being integrated into healthcare. And so with this remarkable partnership that we have now with Apple, where we're taking this technology built into the iWatch to help detect things like atrial fibrillation or when you get a heart fluttering, earlier, because we know that there's over 35 million people around the world that suffer from this condition. If we can detect that earlier, we can get them the right medication, we can help them be compliant on these medications over a longer period of time, Ultimately, we're going to save lives. And I think it really shows how some of this new technology is coming to healthcare—new, innovative, unique ways that, frankly, we couldn't have even imagined just a few years well, ago.
3: Do you think uh, through artificial intelligence, you'll be able to monitor a pattern, and if the pattern deviates, the doctor—you could go to the doctor and. Uh, Look, this is the leading cause of heart attacks. Heart attacks are preventable. Absolutely, that's
1: exactly Stroke what we're talking two. about here. We're talking about algorithms right. that are built into the watch that are monitoring it real time, and it can detect these anomalies, you know, far before something really manifests itself that the patient's going to recognize in the terms of in terms of symptoms. I
3: think mean, you can save uh, billions of dollars in healthcare too. Not, you know, book lives are obviously what matters, but this is what we need is preventative. Now, uh, the Oris acquisition is unbelievable because this robotics is the way things are. And the best hospitals been using this, but most of them, you could span this around the world. Well,
1: another great example of how this technology is fundamentally changing the way we're thinking about right. healthcare. You know, today, less than 5% of surgeries are done with a robot or digitally. In the future, we think that's going to be significantly greater. And what we're so excited about is just as technology has changed the way that we drive a car, you know, think about it. You know, whether you pull up your map system, whether you see that light go on if you start to change lanes. Think about that in surgery where suddenly a surgeon can go in preoperatively Get utilize imaging to right. help him or her really navigate their way specifically to the lesion they can actually get guidance, uh, and we know that that's going to lead to better precision, right. better outcomes for the patient, and frankly better value overall for the healthcare system. yeah
3: I mean when my doctor uh, used it, what he said was the mistakes i it, it, 'm not saying anything's mistake free but there, there are a huge number of
1: mistakes, and this ends most of them. Well, absolutely. You know, think of it, for example, with their Monarch system, which is used for something called bronchoscopy. So, you know, now if you happen to have a lesion or a tumor at a very far out section in your lung, they, of course, would have to go in through minimally invasive surgery to do a biopsy or to better diagnose what, what you have. So imagine we take a tree and turn it upside down, and that tree is your lung. We can run this wire down through the system, way out to the outer end of the leaf. Think of it almost like the acorn. And once we get there, we can do a biopsy. We could use imaging in the future to actually you know, determine what kind of a cancer it is. Or we could deliver a therapeutic, perhaps a new kind of immuno-oncology agent, you know, to that specific legion. Or we could go ahead and cut it out. Those are the kind of things that are being made possible by this new technology at a company like ours. It's so exciting.
3: Uh, I, I did see you last time. Anything talc update? There's really not much since we talk, right? No, look,
1: we, we put safety and quality right. first in all of our products. And, you know, we believe in the more than 100 years uh, of experience with that right. product. And, and we'll defend it appropriately you right. know, th- through I the I mean, course. I
3: know that there was a company that recently filed bankruptcy, but but it was, seems like look, you guys are... Um, you have your position. The position's been fought over for a long time, and you've done you know more than your fair share, I think, in trying to explain what's really going on there.
1: We do. And, you know, what we think is most important is the people get the facts, we continue right. to educate, and uh, look, we, we think this will play out in an appropriate it's way. That's
3: exactly how I felt. You gave me the facts, I looked at the facts from the other side, and you know how I've concluded, but I'm just one person. I'm Absolutely. I'm not a jury, but I'm one person. That's Alex he's chairman CEO of J&J, and I hope you understand all the exciting things that they're working on. They are a true healthcare company that's saving a lot of lives, big money, back I hear someone talking about how the essence of capitalism is competition. Part of me wants to wince. Don't get me wrong. Competition is fabulous for consumers, for regular people. None of us wants to live in a world controlled by robber barons. But businesses hate competition. If you're running a company, you don't want a level playing field. You want an empty playing field. And that's why, uh, as investors, we're always looking for monopolies or duopolies or slap-happy oligopolies inherently hardly any competitive businesses that can charge their customers whatever they want. Monopolies are bad for consumers. They're bad for democracy. They're generally illegal when we have a government that cares about enforcing the Sherman Antitrust Act. But they're great for shareholders. So whenever I see a situation where a company goes from having very little competition, nirvana for shareholders at least, to having lots of competition, the ultimate house of pain, it worries me. And I got to tell you, that's how I feel about the food delivery space right now. For years, you had Grubhub, by far the largest of the online delivery companies, and its stock was an incredible performer because Grubhub dominated this market. Oh, there were competitors, but they were smaller, and they couldn't really compete on the scale that Grubhub could. That's no longer the case. The delivery market has gotten increasingly intense and cutthroat, as Grubhub now has a host of well-funded rivals. There's Square's Caviar service, Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, among others. It's starting to feel crowded, and when you have this many companies all fighting over the same pie... Even if it's growing, their profitability tends to take a hit. You have to spend more money on marketing, on improving your service, and then you may end up needing to cut prices to stay competitive. That's why I'm concerned about this whole group, both Grubhub and the soon-to-be-public Postmates. Yes, people, I am worried about this competitive area. Now, the online delivery business has never been hotter. Restaurants desperately want to use these services to sell more food. Sell, sell, sell! Especially with millennials. You know, millennials like to sit on the couch, they play the Fortnite, and they have the Domino's pizza. It's an incredibly powerful secular trend. But at this point, I think the easy money has been made. Look at Grubhub, which also owns Seamless, the de facto delivery platform from New York City. Grubhub came public nearly five years ago at 26 bucks, and it roared all the way up to $149 ah! at its highs last September. So many stocks hit their highs back then. When these guys didn't have much in the way of serious competition, they made fortunes, and the stock was a great investment. House of pleasure. Then Grubhub reported in late October, and while the actual quarterly results were fantastic, management's forecasts. For the next quarter, it was mixed, to put it diplomatically. While the company guided for higher-than-expected revenues, they also told us the business would be a lot less profitable than Wall Street was expecting. Why? Grubhub said it needed to invest in marketing and expanding its network. Now, the stock got slammed on the news, but maybe the market overreacted in the heat of a very bearish moment. Maybe these spending issues were one time, right? Or maybe not. When Grubhub reported, uh, again, just last Thursday, the numbers, they were downright disappointing. A modest revenue shortfall coupled with a massive earnings shortfall. While the company's sales grew by 40% and their active diners increased by 22%, daily deliveries were up 19%, the earnings per share shrank by 47%. The house
4: of pain.
3: Even worse, Grubhub's guidance for the next quarter and the full year was downright grim. Long story short, Grubbub is now spending a lot more money than it used to, and its margins are therefore deteriorating. We're talking about a significant decline in profitability, no doubt, because they need to fend off all these new competitors. Now, at first, the stock got crushed from the news. It's plunging from $83 and changed down to $66 at its lows last Thursday. Did you see that drop, anybody? It was amazing. It was down 20%. But then the darn thing turned around during the conference call. Magnum told a reassuring story on the call, and the stock only finished at $82. It was down just 2%. Chief Financial Officer Adam DeWitt was like a magician, explaining that the company's investing in its future growth and making you feel like everything will be okay in the long run and Grubhub's margins will return to previous levels by the end of the year. I'm calling this guy the David Blaine of CFOs. But consider me unimpressed. I'm too concerned that Grubhub spending is more about playing defense against some of these companies than it is about playing offense, which brings me to the competition. Because so many other players are crowding into the space. I mean, you got Square the financial technology uh, company, with its terrific caviar food delivery business that we use at Bar San Miguel, my small plate Mexican restaurant in Brooklyn. Caviar is an amazing service. Square says it, it could be an $11 billion opportunity, and it's growing like weed, up 100%, according to this the latest conference call. However, caviar's costs are growing at a, a slightly faster pace than its sales. More importantly, when Square talks about this business, they describe it as a part of a broader services ecosystem that they're building for their customers. We don't know whether caviar is a loss for Square, a way to get restaurants to use their payments and payroll systems. We don't, candidly, but it wouldn't surprise me, and that does not inspire confidence in the broader online delivery space. I think Square is obviously worth owning here, but you don't own it for caviar. And then there's Uber Eats. Holy cow, already the second largest player in the business and soon to be publicly traded once Uber becomes public, which is pretty soon. Eat. Now, Uber Eats is growing like crazy, and I think it represents a formidable competitor because it's already got a whole network of drivers from its parent company. However, Forbes ran an article in the business last week, and apparently it's not yet profitable either. Didn't sound like it was anywhere near profitable. Now I'm a big believer in Uber CEO. That's Dara Khosrowshahi, and we know Uber Eats is doing great business. Huge brands like McDonald's, Starbucks, what an account, right? But man, in the context of the border delivery industry, the last thing you want is a deep-pocketed competitor like Uber that can afford to lose money in order to take market share. And then you got Postmates, sort of a gig economy-based uh, courier service a big focus on food, which is coming public sometime this year. We used to have one all the time. Postmates is already in more than 3,000 cities. And they have a subscription service on top of the per-delivery basis. Uh, I, that's per-delivery fees. It's a good business. I like subscription more. You're going to hear a lot more about these one one uh, as the IPO approaches. But if you put a gun to my head, I tell you to take the gun away. But then if you ask my opinion, I'm not sure I could recommend it in this environment. Then there's DoorDash. It's larger than post staying private. Now, DoorDash is unusual because they're now focused less on lowering costs for consumers and more on boosting sales for the restaurant partners. No idea how that's working, but the venture capital guys who fund DoorDash seem to be happy with it. They just kicked in another $1 billion at a much higher valuation than the last round of funding. I was astounded at that. Hey, hey those are just the big ones. you got Deliveroo in the UK. How about Travis Kalanick, the former CEO of Uber? He's launching a service called Cloud Kitchens. Kramer fave Danny Myers invested in a company called GoldBelly that specializes in Long distance deliveries from iconic restaurants—we had them one not that long ago. Put them all together, and delivery space is starting to feel mighty crowded. The bottom line: when Grubhub had the online delivery industry pretty much to itself, its stock was a huge winner. Now, though, they've got all these competitors nipping at their heels. Their market share is waning, and so is their profitability. And it's not just Grubhub. This is a case where too many cooks spoil the pot. Delivery may be booming. You may love it. But that doesn't mean there's a good way to invest in it. What's what we have money ahead. Zoetta ZTS hasn't lost its bite. The company's soaring after earnings. Can the move continue? I'm talking with the CEO. Then what's next for NVIDIA? I know you all ask. I'm focusing on the company after supports. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Whenever I stumble upon a really great story, something with the potential to give you massive multi-year. Emphasis, not short-term, but multi-year gains. I won't shut up about it because I don't want you to miss it. That's why I've spent years repeating myself about the humanization of pets. The idea that we spend more and more money on our companion animals. We treat them like members of the family, not dumb, dumb animals. That, that's what you should do. And when you treat your cats and dogs like they're your children, you end up spending a fortune on health care. Which brings me to Zoetis, the huge animal health company that makes drugs, vaccines, and medical devices for pets as well as livestock. Yesterday morning, Zoetis reported an excellent quarter. Spectacular guidance. Stock folded to five dollars and nearly six percent before tacking on another two dollars and change today, putting it just over a buck away from its all-time highs. This has been an incredibly consistent company. So, could the stock have more room to run, even after these gains? Let's take a closer look with Juan Ramona Likes. He's the CEO of Zoetta, ZTS. Hear more about the quarter and the company's prospects. Juan welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Nice to have see you. Once again, once again, just an amazing quarter. I was concerned. I said, how can they top it? But you clearly did. And some of it might be something that we haven't even talked about yet. Diagnostics, we have not talked about a boxes. It must be integrated very well.
5: It's uh, integrating very well. We are uh, doing all the things that uh, the two uh, companies, the two field forces, also will be working together, providing uh, now to the customers a full set of uh, product services, pharmaceuticals, uh, diagnostics, uh, tests, right. everything will be uh, in the hands of our uh, team and uh, providing this. Uh, type of uh, products and services to but our customers.
3: I always try to get uh, you to talk about a vet. You go in and uh, it's cash. It's a real, you know, it's a business. It's not federal, you know, it's not Medicare. And people
5: do anything. The diagnostics are what we need. And the diagnostics for pets have been abysmal. Yes, but uh, I think diagnostics is uh, even more important in uh, pets, in uh, animal health, than even in human. Yeah. In, in human people, they can talk, they can explain. Oh, Animals, they need, uh, the they need to run tests to right. know exactly what uh, they need to do. Well,
3: that's like, I mean, when you do something for pain in animals, I mean, it's just, we, oops, we all know, I've got it memorized, don't worry. We all know that the pain is something we can't address, but you are addressing.
5: We are, and uh, not only addressing. Soetis so was the company that many years ago defined this uh, market for the first time. Right. And now we have a product, which is uh, Rimadil, which is a NSAID. But even more important, we are in our uh, pipeline, a monoclonal antibody that will be uh, treating uh, pain for dogs and cats. And this will be something that definitely will be extremely well received. Now, I rescued a cat. We have a lot of,
3: we have a lot of rescue animals in our family. I rescued a cat that had uh, a ringworm on mm-hmm. it. And we, had to, we kept washing and washing and washing the cat with, with shipping. I see you're starting to work on some more topical things for some of these things that we all, anyone who, res- who goes from rescue animal almost has to expect these things, right?
5: Yeah, we have. Uh, well, we have been always uh, having a product for uh, yeah. cats, but now in the US we are introducing a new parasiticide uh, for uh, cats, which is uh, called uh, Revolution Plus, which is combining two active ingredients: so salamectin, that it was Revolution, right, with right. sarolaner, which is the active ingredient of uh, Simparica. And this will have a uh, stronger protection for uh, ticks, uh, fleas, and also hardworms. Oh man, we need
3: that. Uh, you have one recently that we use. It's just uh, Stronghold that I just, just, we rescued a dog which had, you know, the dog threw up and it, you saw the worms mm-hmm. in the floor. And it says, you know, a lot of people don't understand when you get a dog or a cat from a shelter, mm-hmm. there are things that go
5: wrong. You've got stuff for that too. We have, and uh, we have already products that uh, are uh, providing the treatment with a single pill. For this internal parasiticide, but more important, in uh, 2020, we expect to launch uh, something that will be co- called uh, a triple combo. Yeah, I saw. I was asking what the triple combo is. The triple combo it's combining, again, sarolaner, which is the active ingredient of a sympatica, with another two active ingredients. And this will have uh, full protection for ticks, fleas, and also internal uh, parasiticide. Heartworm will be... Protected or with uh, one drug. With one it. drug, because we
3: do. All, you know, we do uh, so many drugs right yeah. now for all of those.
5: Yeah, but this will be an uh, oral formulation. Okay. One month, the uh, protection, one pill, and then and it will be a very nice uh, product. Right the uh, food, or yeah. do you, you, you no? You have a separate. Just do it, separate? Uh, it's, okay. it's, it's, it will be a pill, and then uh, uh, something that will be oral. The okay. uh, well, the pet owners will give uh, to the oh. dogs, and you have. Uh, Full protection for a month for ticks, fleas,
3: and worm. Meantime, I know that there are a lot of uh, trade tensions with China, but you just put up a factory in China. You're doing great there.
5: We are doing very well. China now, it's for us uh, the third uh, largest uh, uh, country. So first it's uh, the U.S., the second is Brazil, now is uh, China. Yeah, I
3: feel, I'm glad you mentioned Brazil because they take their pets really seriously, but they were the first to do humanization. They were the first to have them in their, in their beds.
5: Yes, and, uh, but Brazil now, it's, uh, it's growing very fast also. What right. well, has been always very strong in uh, livestock, uh, beef, right. uh, also uh, pork, uh, poultry, and now it's becoming more and more a country where uh, companion animal is very important. And uh, we have been extremely successful with introduction of uh, Sympatica in Brazil um,
3: I want to ask you about one that it's the uh, for so, uh, the point that people don't understand um, these are blockbuster drugs I mean, in other words like you have drugs that are huge I mean, we mentioned a bunch of them but the ones that you're breaking out now are Apoquil. when you we didn't even, the first time you came, we didn't even have Apoquil. and that drug is now doing what hundred 400 million dollars
5: million dollars last year
3: and you told us it was going to be big, and people didn't know. Tell people what Apoquil does, because we've all, again, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of our dogs are not in good shape. apoquil has been something that's been a real terrific. Apocual,
5: it's us. Uh, it's uh, treating uh, allergic reactions, right. dermatology conditions in uh, in dogs, and uh, well, it's it's something that uh, has been uh, working extremely well. Uh, we launched Apoquil in the in the U.S. four years ago, mm-hmm. and now uh, in total uh, sales of Apoquil are uh, 464. But then, if we add also another product that is also uh, treating uh, allergies, which is an injectable formulation, a monoclonal antibody called Cytopoint. right. Uh, combining the two products, it's uh, close to $600 million per year.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, those of us, if you don't, know, that means you don't have to wear the Elizabethan hat. You don't have to put the Elizabethan collar. Uh, it's like a giant lampshade. Mm. Trust me, you don't want your dog to have to wear it. You are doing great things for pets, and you know we both care mm. passionately about them. And yes, okay, so you make money too. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the way to see a Juan ramon likes zts it, look, you. if you have a pet, you have their drugs. You, we even showed Rimetal. I got Rimetal right in my kitchen. Everybody's back after the break. Thank you. It is time! It's over the lightning round. It's over the lightning And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? It's for the lightning round. Can you my trouble with? Susan in Indiana, Susan. Hi, Kramer. I love, love, love your show. Ah, you're dynamite. Thank you. I have a question. Yeah. We bought Disney stock for our daughter 24 years ago when she was a baby. So the conversation is, should we buy or sell? Oh no, you don't. You don't. Uh, you don't sell Disney. Uh, Bob Iger's doing an amazing job. I don't know about this next couple of quarters. he so going to do this big transition uh, with the uh, over the over the uh, top. But I think long-term, you want to own Disney very badly. Dave, and how are you, Dave? Booyah, Jim. are Dave. Hey, listen,
4: American Superconductor's been on a terrible night. Oh, lately. my I God, Um,
3: I think it's been too hot, frankly. I think we got to let some go. Uh, I don't have that level of conviction up here. How about Anne-Marie in Florida? Anne-Marie!
0: Hey, Jim, how are you? Good, how about you? Fine, thank you for asking. Thanks for taking my call. And um, I just want to say how much I appreciate and respect uh, the insight that you share with all of us on the other oh, side. Oh, you're very
3: kind. Thank you. Just made my weekend. What's you
0: Your day that you're there day and night. So my question basically <laughs> is this. Yeah, I know. Um, I've been holding um, ATVI, Activision Blizzard, okay. for some time now. A big, a big, a big part of it. Um, I saw the earnings release the other day and uh, the stock movements. Right. Um, so, what's your call on on this company? Uh, no, right?
3: no. I mean, yeah, look, they had the bounce. I'm not saying that it was necessarily a bounce that I wasn't deserved because the company is not this bad. But you know, it's now kind of settled in. I think I'd rather own EA on the way up than that, frankly. But thank you for the kind words. Let's go to Darren in Minnesota. Darren, booyah, Jimmy. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, man. Hey, I've got kind of an interesting one here. I, I took a position in the stock last year that made me some serious mad money. But in recent filings, the company showed a large EPS beat on declining year-over-year revenues. In your book, Getting Back to Even, which was a great book. Oh, oh um, thank you. That's a, that's a red flag. Um, should I take profits out of the ticker symbol
0: PCMI or should I
3: hang on? Oh, PCMI? Uh, then, you know, yes, that, I, I, to me, that seems like a copycat company. They kind of online my mall. Uh, I, I, I have to say that I would ka-ching, ka-ching. I'm a ka-ching, ka-chinger on that one. Let's go to Tim in Kentucky. Tim! Good afternoon, Jim. What's and going on, Tim? And ya to you from southeastern Kentucky. I'll take it any day of the week. What's going on?
2: I wanted to ask you about Arrowhead Pharmaceuticals, ticker ARWR.
3: Oh, man, that's it's a really hard right? biotech. When I did my biotech Bible for com. I did a lot of work on it, but I'm so out of touch with it. I've got to come back, like many of the biotechs. I can't just say it looks great because I got to see what's in phase one, phase two, phase three, and what's about to be approved. Wow, cool name, Adonis in Illinois, Adonis. (laughs) Jim, you're a legend. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for everything you do for your viewers. Well, quite welcome. Jim, I'd like to get your opinion on ticker symbol CMG Chipotle. That's oh, tab- man, it's Brian my... Nickel. He has it going. Thank hey, Kevin, Jack Hartung's still there. The ad campaign is brilliant. The food never lost its edge. And by the way, throughout this prize, Jack, as Jack knows, Jack Hartung, we ordered on Fridays the whole time. We never gave up on Chipotle. A lot of sunshine soldiers there. A lot of some of your patriots. So, 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 that's a promise, Pink. Okay, how about we go to Chris in New York? Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jim, this is Chris calling out of Buffalo, New York. How you doing? Well, man, you're like my friends at B-Bats, long-suffering with
1: the bills there. What's up? <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you for inspiring me to start my own little charity trust. I distribute gift cards to the needy in my neighborhood. Very
3: grateful. You're a good man. Calling call it tonight about CVE. Yeah. No, we're not even going to re- be—I mean, I'm sitting sure at the point where I'm not going to recommend any fossils in. But that one just had a nice little move up, I would say. How about we got a Paul
1: in California, please, Paul? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call from the 15th t at Carl Sadd Crossing. Um, I'm asking about DocuSign. D-O-C-2. Oh, I like DocuSign.
3: I want to have him on the show. There's a very, very smart company. Uh, and look, Ellie May just got a bid. Let's put it that way. How about we got a Bob in Indiana? Bob.
2: Hello, Jim Kramer. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Been a regular viewer for over 10 years, and thanks for all that I've learned about investing. Oh, that's
3: true. That's the goal. It's to teach. You know, Look, I mean, look, is it the show a little nutty? I mean, give me a break. It's a show about stocks. It better be interesting. What's going on?
2: Uh, my stock is uh, El Pollo Loco,
5: symbol L-O-C-O. You know, uh, I, I like little... this.
3: I got it wrong. I stuck with it. And now we're uh, getting back up, and I got to tell you uh uh-huh. I can't. I I, I'm a fear, I fear this. The
4: house of pain. And
3: that. Ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: I got you the perfect Valentine. Trash! Who smite it? Oh, just a sec. oriented technology place that's the new normal do i have time for a quick nap do i have time for a quick nap and at least for now sorry (coughs) oh come on look at you know i look like mr green jeans but nobody seems to care i'm just a tv host Last night, NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong pretty much called the bottom in his stock. As he explained on a conference call, that was much more upbeat than what we heard from the company just a few weeks ago. The world needs more computing. That simple statement is the main reason why I believe NVIDIA can ultimately turn things around. But the time frame, that's a different story. NVIDIA called one bottom already, and that didn't pan out. The retailers that sell their graphics cards had way too much inventory, like a pig being swallowed by a python. So has the pig finally been digested? The biggest theme of last night's call was that, yes, things are about to normalize, first in gaming and then in the data center. There'll be no comeback of cryptocurrency mining. That's the chief reason NVIDIA's business fell off a cliff in the first place. But anything high power like artificial intelligence or machine learning or autonomous driving continues to percolate, I think is the leader in these markets. Now, NVIDIA's stock was cut in half by two missed quarters because the company just couldn't forecast how weak their end markets were. But the positive reaction to this latest quarter, uh, a quarter, frankly, that showed horrendous deceleration versus the previous year and the previous three months, tells you that people are now champing at the bid to own this one. I don't blame NVIDIA for getting their forecasts wrong. Consider the thicket they had to see through. The gigantic Chinese gaming market had a definitive government-mandated slowdown. Cryptocurrency mining got obliterated by the crypto crash, and the data center build-out had a subdued change of pace, uh, largely related to macro concerns, even though it was supposed to have no economic sensitivity to speak of. Layer on top of that a difficult transition to the next generation of graphics chips, that's their Turing line, which had more power than most people needed at a time when the market was already stuffed with lower quality chips. Well, a transition, that's always a problem. So why does NVIDIA suddenly feel more sanguine? They see the data center build out, coming back online. They see the explosion in popularity of Fortnite and other free multiplayer games, which translates into more demand for their graphics processors. Remember, given that these games are free, the company believes there will be more free far more players. So far, that's proven to be the case. They see Dell, HP, Lenovo picking up the next generation touring platform. Well, that's the big three. They see no further slowdown in China because it's a growth economy, and it's now been over a year since the crypto crash began. So they've had enough time to work through the excess inventory, the pig in the Python. Uh, Remember, NVIDIA misjudged the market. Crypto mining and gaming use the same chips, and they thought crypto was a much smaller chunk of their business than it turned out to be. That's a lot of bottoms to call at once, though. The question is, why should we believe them? Simple, because NVIDIA is not a cell phone semiconductor company. It's not a supplier to Apple. Its product cycles are unique, with only AMD really being comparable. And AMD pretty much called the bottom two, hence the parallel rally in their stocks. So was it just a pause? A nightmare visited upon a visionary company? No. Nvidia is a company with its terrific products that very suddenly saw its growth evaporate for a variety of reasons, not all of which are in the rearview mirror yet. But we know Nvidia is right about the driving need for more computing power. That's why I think the stock can rebound. But I also think you need to be careful not to be too enthusiastic. There's no reason to rush here now. Something that the people, by the way, who bought Nvidia at 162 this morning found out as the stock gave back much of its gains and closed at 157. Stippocrite. Two really good ones tonight, uh, J&J, Alex Korski, and uh, Zoetis, uh, Juan Ramon, uh, likes And I've got to tell you, both of them, I think, go higher. J&J is the one that really is down too much because of that. Uh, uh, you know, some of the, uh, let's say, headlines about the lawsuits. But now you heard what they're really doing, okay? The Academy is a major, major blockbuster on the horizon. They did some great things with the digital device. And I've got to tell you, they really own it with the... Like I said, there's always been more market stuff. My punchline Friday just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and
2: I'll see you next time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.